1: Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, Doug Liveris. Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, another draft. And Nathan, this is the weirdest draft I think we've done because we're, it's the most intangible draft. I was thinking it was almost like drafting feelings. And then I was thinking to myself, if I had the first pick in a feelings draft, I know what I would take. Rage. Oh, my God. Rage Rage is a great number one pick in a feelings draft
1: but i feel like rage is it's not it's not good value at number 1 rage is so easily accessible i feel like contentment is the number 1 pick because that's the that's the hardest thing to achieve
2: but you can always go back to rage rage that's never gets I'm old
1: rage is but, dime a dozen
2: well but i think but there, i think there's still as rage a is a backup
1: offensive lineman man oh yeah. no
0: no no tell that to Ryan Day
1: <laughs> Ryan Day think- has done a good job i think pushing rage away from his life and has also pushed away offensive line depth at the same time. Maybe there is a correlation.
0: So maybe you need, you need offensive line depth. I don't know if you need rage in your life. I think you need happiness oh. in your life.
2: You don't, you, you might not Okay, need fine. rage.
0: Everybody not named Doug. Come See, on. And, Everyone and, needs and hap- rage. Happiness
1: is fool's gold. Happiness is uh, Achilles Smith. Happiness is overdrafting a quarterback. You go you content, want, contentment number one, man. You guys just so want to underrated, be it, underrated people. But, but content,
2: contentment's just like it's fine. It's
1: fine. I will trade down from number one and take a double shot of contentment later in the first round. You can have rage number one. Overall.
0: You know what? No, content, contentment is a Sam linebacker in twenty twenty two.
1: No, no, contentment is way more important than that. It's settling. No, false.
2: All right. We'll do it. We'll do a feelings draft later. We'll do a feelings draft later. When Nathan's back, the first podcast when Nathan returns from two months of bleary-eyed baby tending, we'll say, how you feeling? You get the number one pick, Nathan. What's the feeling you want to draft? But for this, we're going to draft the 12 things, unless we run out of time, we do nine. The 12 things that Ohio State needs to happen to win the national championship in 2022. So When we were trying to explain this, it's not quite like play good defense. That's a little generic. And if people have things that are kind of the same, we'll have to get a ruling to say, well, I was going to say this, but you said that. Is that different enough? This is a way for you guys to get a sense of how we prioritize what the Buckeyes really want. And again, this is not to be good. This is not to make the playoff. This is to win it all. So, at least from my standpoint, Stephen, I have a couple, like, very specific things based mm-hmm. on teams I think they might have to go through to get to the national championship because, like, that's just the reality, right?
0: Yeah, I do, too.
2: So, there can be sort of general, Ohio State has to be good at this kind of thing, and then there's some specific, but when they play this team or this type of team, they have to do this. So, let's do, let's do, who wants to go First, who wants to do? It? Who wants to? Does someone want to go first? Raise your hand if you want to go first. All right, I'll go first. Nathan, all right. Nathan says he'll go first. Stephen, you want to go second or third?
0: Are we snaking?
2: No, there's no snake on this because it's not that way we keep nobody's doubling up and it's not all you're right. not trying to win feelings. I've cool, already second. won feelings, rage. So I guess I'll go second. Hunger is hunger a feeling?
1: Is hunger a feeling? I mean. I don't Uh, think rage and hunger is a physiological response.
0: Yeah, I think there's a difference between a feeling and and an emotion. I think Mm. rage is an emotion. Hunger is a feeling because you literally feel hungry.
2: How about confusion? I take confusion
1: pretty high. Rage, confusion. Confusion was the uh, the the charter principle of your franchise.
2: Dismissiveness. Is that a feeling? That's an action. All right, Nathan, number one. What's the number one intangible thing that has to happen for Ohio State for the Buckeyes to win the twenty twenty two national title?
1: Well, not completely intangible, right? We're talking about football things too. As long as we're being no, specific no, no, with it. no, right, right, It's
2: just right. we're not we're not saying uh, C.J. Stroud
1: isn't the answer because he's a
2: person. It's an action that a person or a group of people must take. So go ahead.
1: So we all thought Ohio State had a championship level offense last season. I think literally everybody in the country thought Hoste had a championship level offense last season and projects to have something like that again this year. So I'm starting on defense as being the thing that they need to win a national championship. And my number one overall thing is going to be a top 50 run defense uh, by, and I should, I should specify by like the football outsiders metrics, not just in like yards on the, the just the pure yards that's, not quite as sophisticated and I'm talking about like, as far as like actually preventing, you know, once you adjust for various things um, being one of the top 50 run defenses in the country, I don't think they have to be one of the very, very best defenses in the country, but they just have to be good enough to prevent this offense from being out of the playoff again. And I I was looking at some numbers last year and I I think my initial inclination, and I'm sure we're going to talk about pass rush, At some point on this podcast. But when I looked at the data last year, I mean how state was worse at stopping the run when it needed to than it was, I thought, at pass rush. And I think the run by stopping the run, you make your pass rush better. Like what is the when do sacks happen the most when teams are in disadvantageous situations, when teams have to work on third and long you know they're going to pass you can tee off on them in a different way second and long even so that's my top thing the house state has to fix the run defense so i said top 50 run defense via football outsiders but um i don't know how specific we want to be with that but just much improved run defense because um i thought that was where um secretly not so secretly that was the thing that kept them out of the playoff last year
2: where if you're saying top 50 what what were they last year by the rankings that you would be referencing for this?
1: Um, not see. in the top 50, are we to assume? Because top 50, as much as we've said... Yeah, it should probably be more than top 50. I'll say like top 30. Okay. Because like we've been saying, well,
2: they don't have to be a top 5 or 10 defense in general, maybe top 20. but But I do think the idea of not letting people run all over you is a reasonable place to start. Steven, did you have sort of like any kind of run defense kind of thing on your list?
0: No, but now that Nathan's pointed it out, I probably should have, but I don't know if I'd have went like top 30 defense I, run defense. I might be what to specifically put it on certain teams just because even last year that their, their inability to stop the run only hurt them, you know, twice. It just happened to be in the two games that they lost. So like even I- Utah, it's like, they still beat Utah.
2: I The run defense thing that I had was specifically about Michigan. And I had, like, have the defensive tackles and linebackers to stop the Michigan run game. And we know Josh Gaddis is the play caller last year. He kind of liked that kind of thing. They lost Josh Gaddis. They lost Hassan Haskins. But they have Blake Corum back, who PFF calls one of the five best running backs returning in the country. Jim Harbaugh is still the head coach. They're still going to want to run it. But, like, that's – whether you want to get specific or general, and I think general is good, Nathan, but like that's exact like that's what you're talking about. That Blake Quorum big run to start the third quarter is like, okay, well, like that's not what a top 30 run defense would do. That of course it matters less against Toledo, but Wisconsin, Iowa, maybe Notre Dame, maybe the Big Ten championship game, depending who they get in the playoff, Jameer Gibbs in Alabama, right? If they get. Will Shipley and Kobe Pace and Clemson, right, Nathan? Like, there, there are going to yeah. be times when if they're not g- kind of good at stopping it, they might be in trouble.
1: Well, and, and I like where you went with it, with the very specific, like, Michigan example. And actually, I think I misread something on the Football Outsiders. So it's, it, picking a specific number is a little bit more difficult because you have to adjust for opponents. Ohio State is playing a little bit tougher of a schedule this year. You got to go through, you got to play Wisconsin. You got to play some other teams that are sort of, you know, run heavy teams. So allowing rushing yards to them, even in a good performance relative to how well they, they do, throws off those numbers for the year. I think it's more about having like being able to not allowing opponents who can run the ball to dictate those games. And that's what happened last year. I think that's what it all comes down to. Right. Having a run defense that can hold its own against teams that win on the ground because that I think sets up everything else that's what if you if you stop that then you're putting yourself in a situation where Jim Knowles can attack the way he wants to
2: you look at for instance the playoff game between Cincinnati and Alabama when Alabama just handed it to Brian Robinson and said run them over and if you tried to put Ohio State in the playoff and imagine how things would have gone Ohio State has more size they have better athletes one through 11. The strength of the Cincinnati defense was in the secondary, but there might've been a version of that, that had Ohio state made the playoff again, especially if Michigan wins all over Ohio state, but CJ Stroud throws a touchdown pass in the final 10 seconds. And that was like, man, they can't stop the run. We have this gigantic running back. I could have seen that being a strategy. And if you just let Brian Robinson run all over you, then it's like, okay, well, Bryce Young is good, but does it even matter how good Bryce Young is because you cannot stop a guy from getting 5 yards of carry. So I do think Stephen like I, I I think that has to be in their head. And that does relate to defensive line, linebackers, mm-hmm. plan of attack, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, can't it, it maybe can't get pushed around. And they got pushed around a lot last year and against better opponents. And can't get pushed around. By, to get to the national championship game.
2: By the by the teams that do it well and want to do it. Yes. You can't just let them do it. So I do think that probably applies to at least probably four or five teams on the schedule. But I do think it's going to be a primary component of the Michigan game where it might stand out the most. And again, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, they're going to come in here Mm -hmm. to Ohio Stadium and try to do that too. And we've never seen that work yet for Wisconsin, right? It hasn't really worked yet, but they're going to keep trying and seeing if it works this time. All right, run defense, however we want to phrase it. I think that's a good place to start. Steven, where do you want to go next?
0: Yeah, mine's is a little bit more big picture. And obviously, people can get specific with certain things and certain people as we continue to draft, but it's Super Soft 3.0. Obviously, there's the original 1968 with Jack Turn- Tatum and Rex Kern. And then you've got the 2013, Zeke Elliott, Joey Bosa, Eli Apple, and whatnot. I'm not including Quinn Ewers in his 2021 class because that's just not, not how that was. He's not a member of that class. There are 15 of the 22 guys who you can make a case for will play meaningful snaps in at least one game this year. And that's including a guy like Reed Carico, who as of the end of the spring practice was a starting Sam linebacker, which is like, this is for Wisconsin. And so that might be a game where he plays 50 snaps in a world where like, there's not a lot of 2020 guys who are third year guys who have played a lot in a meaningful way yet. And a lot of them are gone at this point. And obviously the 2019 class, Zach Harrison's the only top 50 recruits still left on the roster at this point. They need maybe even more than that 2014 National Championship team did. The second-year guys who are going to have a lot of guys who have roles, they all need to pop.
2: I like this. I did not have something like this on my list, but I think it's a good way to structure it. And to your point, Stephen, we talk about this kind of thing a lot. Once Bosa and Elliott and Von Bell and Darren Lee and Eli Apple and all those guys did it, In 14, we waited for the 17 guys to do it. In 18, it didn't really happen. I think to to think about that with this team, because that's because of the recruiting dip, that's where a lot of the best talent is. And they can't wait. They can't wait. I think it's a good way, Nathan, to like phrase the you know, the JT popping plus 10 other guys have to pop with him, Jordan Hancock and everybody else.
1: Yeah, I had some individual things on my list that pertain to some sophomores, but I think Steven can take something like this and because it's it is more about the essence of the team. This is gonna probably have to be a sophomore driven team if it is wins a national championship. I know that you CJ Stroud's not a sophomore. I know Jackson Smith and Jacob is not a sophomore. I know they have some older guys on defense. But I think if you start to look at what's the difference between those guys who didn't win a national championship last year and why this team could win one, it's going to be big jumps by that all of those difference makers in that sophomore
0: class. 13 top 100 recruits. As things stand right now, Kyle McCord is the only one where we can 100% say that he won't play a meaningful role for this team. That's just because he's a quarterback. Everybody else, I mean... The rest of them are JT, Jack Sawyer, Emeka Abuka, Donovan Jackson, Travion Henderson, Jekyll Johnson, Michael Hall, Jordan Hancock, Evan Pryor, Reed Carrico, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jaden Ballard. And that's without mentioning guys like Taliq Williams and Denzel Burke.
1: And there's also a worst case scenario where the season comes down to whether Kyle McCord yeah. can, can yeah. lift yeah. their team to a national championship. I mean, that, that could be on the table.
0: And even the punter, second year guy.
1: He's 30, but he's a second-year he's, guy.
0: Yeah, he's 30, but he's a sophomore. <laughs> he's so on a second f-
2: mortgage. Do you feel pretty good, Stephen, about that happening? Like you saying it needs to, do you, do you think it will?
0: Yes. And part of it is based off of, did the All-American one run before this? Uh, don't worry about it. Who okay, knows? cool. All right. Cool. Well, the point is we did an All-American thing where I drafted JT pretty high. I mean, it starts there. If if you're putting out stuff like JT is going to be an All-American, you think Jack's going to be elite in that role. You think Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the second-best wide receiver on this team, and Travion Henderson's one of the best running backs. And keep going down the list of accolades you can throw in all these guys. There are just a lot of them that are going to play big roles, a lot of them to an extent, you know, especially late in that Rose Bowl, got a chance to get a taste of it. And so, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident about this one happening. If I said 15 guys are going to have roles – if 12 of those guys end up popping, that's a pretty good batting average for a year or two guys.
1: There's a spectrum. And I think we all have some level of confidence that it'll happen to some degree. It just may have mm-hmm. to happen to one of the more extreme end of the spectrum in order for it to turn into a national championship.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. So since we kind of talked about health, I have a health thing. It's not the thing that I have first on my list, but thing I had first of my lives is, is I don't know if it's duplicative or not. So let's do a health thing. I don't know that we necessarily just want to go through and name like the 15 most important players on the roster need to be healthy because that's kind of a given. So health always matters, right? It's also like, don't turn the ball over eight times in the game. It's like, of course, right? Be healthy. Don't have giveaways. There are some basic fundamental things that almost like I think don't need to be named but I do think this is specific enough. If you guys say we shouldn't do it, I'm okay with it, but I had stay healthy on the offensive line.
0: Yes. And
1: that's a a
2: specific thing about the depth. We think they feel good about the top five. We think at the moment, they don't feel as good about the next five. There has been this stretch or, you know, the early urban Meyer era, they were healthy on the offense. I mean, there was a stretch for Ohio state where they didn't have an offensive line injury for like a decade. So just because of the lack of depth, Nathan, is that is this an okay thing to have in there?
1: I, I definitely think so. I think you could phrase it a lot of ways, too. And it, it's the one that they don't have as much control over or any control over. Sometimes stuff just happens. Uh, you could also phrase it, Ohio State has its best offensive line for the playoff. Ohio State has its best offensive line for you know the Michigan game whatever How are you, i mean there's there's other you know those decisive games because i think we also see this being a year where it, it is thin enough there that this one injury in the wrong place does is there an opponent that can take enough advantage of that that it changes a game and especially once you start playing the best teams in the country so i mean sort like alabama like do they have a chance to beat alabama if they don't have their best offensive line
2: right Steven, is there something, uh, is this a reasonable thing? Offensive line health?
0: Yeah, and I think it's the one that needs to be specific because I think offensive line is Josh Proctor this year where it's like, you know the backup isn't very good, Mm. but if you have to actually see it, it's like, oh, it's really bad back there. You'd rather just like think it in the back of your head than have to see it.
2: And and it's like, is health of the offensive line more important than the health of CJ Stroud? No. Is it more important than the health of, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Man, if they lost Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, that'd be a huge thing. But it's, it's I think it's a, it's a nod to the depth. And we've sort of have talked. What if they had to play McCord? Or what if it, I do think it's, this is a specific thing. Health in general, stay healthy. That wouldn't be a thing we want to say in an intangible draft like this. Acknowledging that they aren't deep on the offensive line, I think we all agree this is a, an okay thing to talk about. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back pick four in our sort of a tangible draft of what the Buckeyes need to do to win a national title after this
0: on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: All right, Nathan Baird, number four to you. What you got? Yeah, I'm trying to decide. We've already gotten into some um, semi-repetitive things. This one, I I don't know. Maybe this seems... I'm going to say C.J. Stroud has another Heisman-worthy season. And the reason that I think that is important is because he does not potentially have as good an offensive line in front of him as he did last year. He does not have three receivers at the stage that his three receivers were at last year. He does have now an entire year of film that teams are going to use to come attack him. So uh, there are factors here as to why it's going to be more difficult for CJ Stroud to be as good as he was last year. I don't think he has to be a Heisman finalist because that is out of his control. I think he just has to have another season that's worthy of that level of consideration without question. Um, You know, I I think we also saw in 2020 with Justin Fields that, and you saw in 2019 with Trevor Lawrence, that having a couple of weeks that take you out of that consideration, that take you out of the race, don't prevent you from being in the national championship game, don't prevent you from winning a championship. So I don't think if, if there's people nitpicking his performance, if he throws a couple of interceptions early, as long as they're not leading to Ohio State losing games, I don't think those things matter. I think it's more just about the still having the highly efficient, uh, highly productive level of performance that is the engine that drives this offense. I don't think they can stand another drop-off. And I don't know if a national champ- if there's another national championship quarterback on this roster this year. So part of this is, does he have a full season? They're I- not trying to slam Kyle McCourt. I just haven't seen it with him the way I've seen it with C.J. Stroud, obviously. We know C.J. Stroud can lead an offense that's capable of winning a national
0: mm-hmm. championship.
2: I had a CJ kind of thing. Steven, did you have a CJ kind of thing anywhere?
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of time before last season saying, hey, remember Spencer Rattler started off slow and now he's a, a preseason Heisman Trophy candidate. And then he lost his job to a true freshman. Mines was literally called last year. I would called this to be patient with your Spencer Rattler. This time around, I'm going to say, CJ, please don't be Spencer Rattler. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. I had an accuracy thing. I said CJ has to maintain his accuracy. His first three games last year, he was 62.3% completions. And then after Akron, when he gets rolling, he's 74.7% um, completions the rest of the way. So just that the accuracy wasn't, you know, 85% having Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, that it that he doesn't just whatever. He, you know, maybe he gets more pressure and he's not. So whatever kind of thing, like no regression, right? So yeah. Nathan, you say Heisman worthy, well, or Heisman level, Heisman candidacy. That's what he was last year. So if he has yeah. like the same year, great. As long as he doesn't do a Spencer Rattler thing, as long as all of a sudden his completion percentage doesn't go down 10%, we're all kind of in the same range here, Nathan.
1: And, and, and we think a lot of that accuracy stuff was tied into the injury too. There's, there's, yeah. there's, st- Evidence that once he came back and was healthy, that sort of solved it. I, a better maybe, way to articulate what I was saying is just all of the Heisman traits translate even with the changes that they're having on offense.
2: And this is one of those things like I, I think the more certain we are that something will happen, like the – then you're less likely to put it super high on the list. So I don't know that anybody listening to this, that any of the three of us are sitting around saying like, oh my gosh, I think CJ Stroud might regress, right? So that's why it's not number one, because we don't think it's going to happen. But he's the most important player on the team. And if for some reason, Stephen, what you're saying, if he's Spencer Rattlers, like that would be very, very, very problematic because he's so good and he's so important.
0: I'm not saying that there's a good chance that it happens because I don't think so, just because I've got a chance to know CJ and I don't I don't know Spencer Rattler. But there was already, you know, stuff out there about who he is as a personality. But just for the sake of overthinking, CJ Stroud is getting a chance to to take advantage of being Ohio State starting quarterback in a way that no other Ohio State starting quarterback has gotten to do because of NIL stuff. He is all over the place this Mm offseason. I mean, he's been in L.A., um, he got the throw at Pro Day. He was sitting at the combine. Him, uh, Jackson and Paris are sitting at the combine. Him and Jackson are at the draft right now as we're recording this on Thursday on draft night. He's out in Vegas. Him, They got the express deal. Like They're making money. They're all over the place right now. And I'm not going to make the case, but for the sake of throwing it out there, I won't be shocked if somebody makes the case when we get back in the fall and we get the chance to talk to him and someone's like... Asking questions along the line of where his focus has been this summer.
2: And that is just the new world. But I remember that was the whole thing when Troy Smith won the Heisman and was on the award circuit for a month between the end of the regular season in 2006 and the national championship game. It was like, oh, where was Troy's focus? And then he didn't play well. And everybody was like, he ate too many in and out burgers. He was out you know, out doing all this stuff that was required of him because he was a big time Mm -hmm. guy winning all these awards. And so this is this over an extended period of time. Now, it's also over an extended period of time. So it's not in this one little window when you have a month to practice for the national championship game. But I think that I think, Nathan, it's a good point that Stephen brings up. It is you mix in the new world, the new outside opportunities, which really should be opportunities and good things. They should not be things that get guys off track. But it's something new that players in college are now navigating that really they didn't have to navigate before.
1: I think it's a great point. And it is a factor that we have not had to previously include in our expectations for any Ohio state football season. Mm -hmm. This was only being implemented last July. It doesn't seem like it's been like three years or more since NIL came along and it hasn't even been a calendar year yet. So and it was just getting started then. It was very, very new. And now you're finally starting to see deals like the one Steven talks about, um, you know, higher profile things, things that are probably requiring athletes to spend more time on that. Now, the good thing about C.J. Stroud is he's such a football nerd yep. that. He probably is a little bit annoyed to have to go do those things and leave. Like he was a guy that talked about like, oh, I almost didn't go to prom because I wanted to go work out or whatever. That may have been a little bit of an exaggeration on his part. But still, the mindset is there that he's a guy who wants to live in the in the practice facility in the video room. And I'm, I'm not that worried about it with him, but it may be it's worth the discussion, like trickling down maybe the whole roster. Something to think about because now it's something that all players have more access to. Even if you're not getting the big express deal, you're doing things here and there, and um focus is going to be important. You guys, have, I've told my
2: prom. Have I told my prom story on uh Buckeye Talk before? You guys know my prom story.
0: No, but you're going to tell us now. So go sure, ahead. If, I,
2: if, if I were, if you guys said yes, Doug, we know your prom story. Then I wouldn't tell it. But if you, if you, if it sounds familiar, uh, cut me off. Buckeye Talk. So it was in 10th grade. So 10th graders can't go, you have to get invited by a senior or a junior. So this junior girl invited me. And I had a baseball game on Friday before the prom on Saturday. And I was rounding third and I was running to home plate, somebody, you know, to score a run like a normal person. And I got to home plate. And then, like, I don't know what happened, but I just woke up in the dirt, face first on the plate. And I just had tripped over my own feet and collapsed onto home plate. There was no play. Nobody tagged me. I just was running and fell. So then that night, my knee, I'm out with some friends and my knee starts to swell up like the size of a coconut. And so the next day is prom. I have to go to the hospital and it's like, I have this knee contusion, It's just a fancy name for a bruise, but I couldn't walk and I could not bend my leg. And I was like, it's prom. And they were like, well, we're going to give you this brace and you have to be on crutches You could go and just sit there. And I was like, okay. So I called the girl and I was like, I can't move. I can go. I can't dance. But before I called her, I called my friend and said, listen, man, this happened to me. Would you go with her if she's okay with it? Because I don't want to screw up her night. And so he was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I called the girl. and I said, listen, I talked to my friend that you know you're friends with too. He'd be happy to go with you if you'd rather go with someone who can actually function. So she says, "Okay, let's do that. So my friend comes over, gets my tux, gets the corsage that I got for her. They go to prom. And then they start going out. And I'm home. And now they're married. They have nine kids. No, but they went out for like six months. And I'm (laughs) home like a chump with my leg (laughs) elevated in my living room. The guy was my tennis doubles partner. He was like my guy. And I like just handed him a prom date.
1: Man, this is a this is a script. You should write this. Was that the was that the, the, the Danish uh, Pizza Hut girl?
2: No, well I, no, cause I never even got to Pizza Hut with this girl. That's like oh, a, that's a tough, man. that sounds like a thing. It's like, oh, did you get the Pizza Hut? <laughs> I didn't even get the Pizza Hut. So but cause like that would have been like our first date. And then they would have who knows what would have happened if little Dougie would have been able to work his magic on prom night instead, boom, because I tripped over my own feet running home. That's what you get for playing baseball. Steven, you're up with pick five.
0: I don't know how we just transition (laughs) into that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. I'm going to go on offense this time and be a little bit more specific. It cannot just be the Jackson Smith, the Jigba show. I think that was cool for the Rose Bowl, but also the caveat was Clark Phillips was the only real defensive back they had out there. They had some guys that are playing both ways, so they could take advantage of that. Um, whether it's Marvin Harrison, whether it's Mecca, whether it's Julian, what is Jaden Ballard? Who knows? Or Cam Babb is healthy. I think they need at least 2,000 yard receivers because that's kind of the standard for championship level offenses at this point.
2: I'm not sure. So I, I think there's a discussion, the difference between this for a full season and this like in a big game, because I do think, so once John Mechie got hurt for Alabama and going to the national title game against Georgia, it's just Jamison Williams and Bryce Young. And it's like, let's see what they can do. Mm-hmm. And I think they might have had a chance, but then Jamison Williams got hurt. And that was it. I'm now for the course of a season, maybe not, but I wonder how far like Bryce Young and Jamison Williams could have taken Alabama almost by themselves a year ago. Clearly, clearly, yes. It's much better if a second guy develops, but if because they're going to get yards, like they're going to throw to him. But if JSN has two thousand yards and the next best receiver has five fifty, and Travion runs all over the place, I I don't know. Could that work, Steven? Like, could that work? Or you would think now that's 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 you just double him, you hang a safety over Jackson you take him away. And then like in a game when it matters, you don't have another receiver who can step up.
0: Yeah. No, I just think a better defense when you get on those stages, I'm not saying they're going to shut down Jackson Smith, the Jigba completely, but they're going to have a better scheme and they're not like Alabama's not going to let Jackson Smith, the Jigba have 200 receiving yards. Right, and so I, 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 under, I feel like okay. There's probably eight games during the regular season where they can just go, "Here, Jackson, here's the ball, seventeen times. Go have fun." When you start playing better competition with better defenses and better defensive coordinators, that's not going to work. That's not enough.
1: You know, I, I agree with the concept that there has to be more receivers in the that are trusted beyond Marvin Harrison Jr. I wouldn't put a number on it though because that's a little bit. Again, if they have two guys who average 800, is that really worse than having the one guy who averages 1,000? Like I, or, if, or if Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and Julian Fleming combine for 2,500 yards, I think that solves the problem as much as having just one guy who had 1,000. And it's hard because, I mean, it's, there's,
2: of course, a statistical component, but like a part of it is if they double Jackson, c- do you have somebody else who can beat one-on-one coverage to right. get open on a, on a mm-hmm. big third down? Hey, it's third and seven. Guess what? They're smothering Jackson Smith and Jigba. OK, who else? Oh, the other two receivers on the field had man coverage and couldn't get open. Yeah. And CJ had nobody to throw to like that. Uh, there's statistical and there's that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I, w- I want to mention one of mine here, actually, because I think to, to, to say it alone as one of my picks would be too redundant. But I had Julian Fleming transitions from proven football player to proven receiver. That we, and we've talked about this before on the pod, so that alone is redundant, but just that we've seen him make football plays. It's time to go out and see him make receiver plays, like impress us as a receiver and, and prove himself to be a consistent threat as a receiver. And some of it, again, has been out of his control because of the injuries, because of the guys who are blocking him. But the opportunity is there. And if the health is there then I think he needs to seize that moment. I don't know that he has to be an all American or even like first team, all big 10 level guy. I just think he has to prove himself as a guy who makes a difference as a receiver on the football field.
2: But what if Marvin's really good and a is pretty good. Isn't that
1: enough? Wouldn't you not need? Yes. James but then? I think, I think though, if, if I, I, what the difference to me is I, and I say that already assuming the Marvin Harrison thing's going to happen. Like I'm, I'm a Marvin Harrison believer. But with Julian, the reason I think it's more important than if Emeka does it is you've got a guy who's a year older. You've got a guy who has a little bit of a, a different skill set that can balance that top three with what he can do with his top end speed um, as a vertical threat. Not that Emeka Buka isn't plenty fast, but and, – and just another year of, like, physical development. I think, you know, the, the size and things like that. I just feel like if he can hit it, he adds something to that mix, that would maybe help it separate in a way that Emeka Gbuka doesn't. So let me ask this.
2: That sounds a little similar to what Jamison Williams maybe could have given them in 2020 when they just had two receivers that Justin believed in and Jamison Williams didn't do that much. Nathan, do you think if Jamison Williams would have been a more consistent threat that they might have beaten Alabama? Like is that, that they got to the national championship game
1: with basically two receivers that got the ball? I mean, there's there's a a debate to be had here of whether it was Jamison Williams not being the threat or them not using Jamison Williams as the threat, right? Like, well, uh, we might have that debate too. If,
2: if they, if, if CJ just throws it to Jackson and Marvin and that's it, it's like, well, did the other guy knock Did the third guy, knock it open? Or did CJ just not feel the need to go to him?
1: Yeah, And and I guess we'll see how that plays out. I don't know. Um, I still don't know how I feel about the whole Jamison Williams thing. Um, Because clearly he is clearly he has the talent, but it also didn't really hold them back. And I I don't know if I feel like just throwing to him more in the national championship game wins a national championship game. I guess the
2: point uh, is I, I just would not I know have, that that like, how the name of awesome. like the fourth receiver as on a list like this, because I just feel like I can envision like, oh, they're fine. They have other guys who can do it. If he doesn't do it, they'll be okay.
0: To the Jamison Williams thing. I mean, he did just give them somebody who can help him keep up because he can score quick. And that's part of why they lost to Bama is because they stopped keeping up offensively. But I see where Nathan's coming from, why he's saying specifically that Julian, Fle- to that same point, it's like, if Julian Fleming is your Z receiver who's supposed to be taking the top off where you can have a one-play 75-yard drive because you just threw a bomb down the field and the other three guys aren't necessarily like that because that's not their skill set, then it is a little bit more important that he develops in comparison to Ameka Abuka right now.
1: And the more the teams, the defenses respect that route that that Z is running, the more it opens up underneath. I just feel like there's ripple effects with Julian Fleming hitting this year that there maybe isn't with Egbuka or Jaden Ballard or someone like that.
2: Okay, I'm going to go specific with an opponent and a player, a specific player opponent for pick six here. And I'm going to say they have to find a way to block Will Anderson, assuming that Bama's on the path. And this is the Aiden Hutchinson argument, because if they could have blocked Aiden Hutchinson last year, they might've made the playoff. And it's not about who you block every other week. It's when you get to the best defensive end in the country, can you prevent him from ruining the game? And Will Anderson is going to be that. And until proven otherwise, I will assume that Ohio State's road to the national championship includes a game against Alabama so I have to have the name Will Anderson on here because I feel like they could do everything right for 14 weeks and get to the national championship game. And if Will Anderson has four sacks, they're probably in trouble, Steven.
0: Yeah, no, that was on my list. And I, Will Anderson, yes, is the face of it. But I don't think from what I've read that he's alone. I think they might actually have like one of the best pass rushing units in the country. It's just we cover Ohio State, so we're more focused on Jack and JT. I called mine Paris Johnson better be Paris Johnson because that's what we're, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking that's about the number same, one, like, yeah. and I understand like Dewan Jones too and all that stuff, but it's just like Dewan Jones is playing the same position he played last year. Paris is finally playing tackle and Josh Meyer said he might win the Outland Award one day. We're talking about he might be a first round draft pick and all that stuff. He better be all of that because Will, Will Anderson has already lived up to the fact that he was everything he was as a recruit.
2: Well, because he, he might win the Outland. Yeah. And and then not be able to block Will Anderson in the playoff. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, like that's it's, it's that fair. game. It's that game yeah. to me. Dallas Turner, I think, had a big spring for them. They do have some other guys. Mm-hmm. But again, Will Anderson, people think Will Anderson as is, is as good of an edge guy as you know, I think we've seen in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. um Nathan, is this a good enough guy to have like a specific thing about him?
1: yeah I, I didn't have this on my list only because I knew you were going to say it like I think you you I you created as my this, example. Yeah. you <laughs> created this podcast idea knowing you were going to say that uh, almost like you were like running up to the podium <laughs> to give Goodell the number yeah. one pick so um no i and, and it again we I think so much of how we can visualize this is we know the offense we believe the offense is going to be great. The offense was great last year what What prevented them from being even a playoff team, let alone a national championship last year? How do they fix that for this year? And this is a perfect example of that. You've got to not let elite edge rushers wreck your season. All right, pick seven. Back to you, Nathan. I I struggled with how to articulate this. Maybe you guys can help me. Jim Knowles fixes linebacker. And two of them demand to stay on the field. If that makes sense, I felt like last season w- when we evaluated twenty twenty one, I found us. I'm not saying that Denzel Burke didn't have a good year last year. I'm not saying J T. Tuimeloau didn't have a good year, especially for. But but that's kind of the point. For true freshmen with almost no lead up time, those guys had really good years. Steel Chambers looked good because he didn't play linebacker until the season started. I think you have to start taking out those caveats of the positive things you start saying about the linebackers on this team. I think they've got to find two guys, maybe three, if you're doing this, some kind of share at the mic. But there's got to be guys who are just like, this is my spot. I'm staying on the field. I'm doing the job. And it's not by default. They've got to find guys who go out and win those jobs and command them. It's been something that has been was obviously missing last year. And when they had it a little bit, In 2019 and 2020, uh, there were other things that were going wrong at the same time. So I think this year, a big step forward there, it's not necessarily the most crucial position on the defense in some ways, but I think it plays into the thing that I was talking about with that first uh, characteristic that I drafted, which was is being a really solid run stopping unit the linebackers are going to be a big part of that and they have to be trusted this year not just by fans and people like us they've got to be trusted by their teammates on the field
0: yeah i don't think it's the most important position but it's the most intriguing one because it's the only spot on defense where we there might not we right now can't point to who might be a superstar and that's part of this thing you need some people to kind of step up and to your point like you can't just like last year, Ohio State's not in a position to be rolling out six linebackers in week one as they're trying to figure out who their best guys are. They kind of need to know against Notre Dame, is it Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon, are those your three best linebackers, or is Chip Tranum getting into the mix? Is C.J. Hicks going to be one of your best linebackers? You kind of need to know that. And even if you want to press the reset button after you got out of Notre Dame, Week fine, but you need to know going into that week that there's not going to be line changes in week one like there were against Minnesota last season.
1: Like if, if your best, like last year, your two starting running linebackers in that back half of the year are a guy with a bum shoulder that had to have surgery right after the year, but he Mm -hmm. was still your best option at the mic and a running back or who had just converted the linebacker. Those, and that dynamic has to change.
2: I, I had my number one thing that I then held off on after you started with defense, Nathan, and I think maybe it's too vague, but it would hit something like this. I said, you have to develop a real playmaker at every level of the defense. Yeah. So this applies. So it's like, okay, you have to have a, a defensive lineman who's a problem. You have to have a guy in the secondary who's a problem. And you have to have a guy at linebacker who's a problem. So the idea of people seizing jobs, people saying, I'm going to be a problem. I'm going to be – somebody you can rely upon at linebacker. I'm not going to use mine as a separate thing because I think this covers it. I think th- I think you did articulate what we're, you're talking about here, Nathan because I think all of us we're trying to come up with something to articulate better linebacker play. and I think I think this covers it and it needs to be on here.
1: But I think it's a lot of it is on Jim Knowles. I mean he has who he has. This team is what it is. This roster is what it is. I don't hasn't heard of them being in the mix for any linebackers in the portal. So this is who he's got. He's got to come in with a scheme, and he's also in charge of that room. He's got to probably coach some guys up and and build on what the foundation already was there. But he, he's got to find it, and it's got to happen in the next four months. All right, Stephen, pick eight to you.
0: Josh Proctor finally gets to be Josh Proctor. Whether it, I mean, in the past, it's been... They only played one safety. Plus, he was dealing with a shoulder thing in 2019 and 2020. They couldn't figure out what his best position was because they overthought it. And then last year, he gets hurt in the Oregon game. If he's going to be the bandit, which is basically their strong safety, while Ronnie Hickman's their free safety, and he's more of the playmaker, he gets to play in the box sometimes, play back sometimes, and we finally get to see full Josh Proctor, that's a plus for this team. If he finally gets to be everything that they wanted him to be as a recruit
2: like plus for this team or an, or a fundamental thing that has to happen for them. To win.
0: I think job. it's like a fundamental thing that has to happen, especially when your backup is like court Williams. I, I think that it's the hype simmer down a little bit there because we just haven't seen it yet.
1: What do you think? I, Nathan? Did you I, have I had on my list. Yes. I had Josh Proctor regains his playmaking form on my list. Um, I think the way Steven says it, uh, Is just as I think he's getting at what I, what I was trying to get at, which is we've seen Proctor have the instincts to make plays on the ball. We've seen Proctor be able to bring big hits. He just seems like a guy who, if he's healthy and you put him in the right spot. And I think the bandit is a better natural fit for him than, than free safety or this new adjuster. I think that this might be just the, and, and, you know, opportunity plus health plus positional fit may be lining up for the first time with Proctor. Steven mentioned earlier this All-American draft that we did that's going to be um, – it's in the bank for, for our listeners to hear later when I'm um, changing diapers. And we didn't take Josh Proctor. He got left on the floor, and I'm regretting that a little bit. I am hmm. I think his – the the chances of him, like – if he, if it hits the right way what he could do like getting several interceptions or having some highlight moments could maybe elevate him over some guys who are even better defensive players as far as like being able to get some accolades this year i just think he is what you were saying before about having playmakers at every level of the defense he's a strong contender to be the guy who takes that for the secondary
2: okay so that's pick 8 leaning on draft proctor I have, so this is, if we're going 12. I have two more picks. I have like four things I kind of want to talk about, but I'll go here first. I think it is specific. It's Jim Knowles scheming it up against Lincoln Riley or Bill O'Brien. Then I you're anticipating, hey, guess what? Ohio State's going to play a really good offense with a really good play caller in the playoff. And this is where Jim Knowles has got to make his money. He's got to figure some stuff out to make Bryce Young not be able to just sit in the pocket and do his thing. And my my co-host on the College Football Survivor pod, Shahanjai Haraja, we did early playoff picks. He has USC in the playoff. I don't know about that. Their schedule's pretty easy. They have a big mid-October game against Utah. The path is pretty good for them. They don't have to be great right away. Their non-conference is like Rice. They have Caleb Williams. They could ease into it a little bit. They have Utah in the middle of the year and Notre Dame in the last game of the regular season. The PAC 12 is not great. So you could wind up in a spot where, okay, here comes Lincoln Riley with USC. What are you going to do? I don't know if it would apply. Well, does Clemson have a play caller quite on that level? Well, Tony Elliott just left. I don't know. So I like, but, but Bama and USC were the two teams that I thought of here, where there might be a point, Stephen, where this is going to be on. All right, mad scientists get in that room and come up with a plan that beats a great offense in a playoff game.
0: Yeah, it's almost like how it was Ryan Day against um shoot what's Oklahoma's head coach name? Brent Venables, um, Venables yeah. back in 2019 and 2020. It's like, all right, that's going to decide who's going to the national. Yep. Maybe going into that 2020 season, you were like, all right, that's going to decide who wins the national championship. And obviously Bama became, you know, angry Bama and all that stuff. So that happened, but still it's, it's kind of that now it's like, all right, Jim Knowles, it's now, now Ohio state has the def- elite defensive coordinator while USC has the head coach he who's like a playmate play calling genius. And what happens there, especially when he's trying to fix this defense. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean,
1: as we've talked about, Jim Knowles is very open about how much he wants those challenges. He wants to mm-hmm. live in the head of opposing offensive coordinators. So, I, and I think he came to Ohio State because he wants exactly the matchup you're talking about, Doug, because it was going to be a much harder matchup to get at Oklahoma State. I mean, he also came here for $1.9 million. Let's not be stupid. But he, he loves that matchup too that matchup of every extra $100 bill that he puts into the one that's already in his wallet. But I think he knows he comes to Ohio state and now it's his chance to take his defensive brain and the thing that he's been putting together now for 15, 20 years and put it on the field against exactly the guys you're talking about. So he's, he's already spoken it. He's said like that, that's what he wants. And uh, I think everybody in college football is eager to see what that looks like when you start taking Jim Knowles and his, I think proven system, we could call it at this point and Ohio state caliber defensive players especially once they start getting better defensive players and then putting it on the field in the kind of matchups you're talking about.
2: All right. That's pick nine. We have three more picks, one more for each of us to do. We'll do that next.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: I'm Buckeye Talk. Texters, if you want to be one, 614-350-3315. You send the text there, you get back a link, you sign up, you get two free weeks, see what you think. And after that, it's cheap. It's cheap, four bucks a month.
1: Nathan, pick 10, what you got? So I keep coming back to defensive playmakers and Steven already, since he talked about the super softs, I'm going to stay away from JTT and Jack Sawyer or JT, Tui, and Jack Sawyer and go to the other guy that I had sort of singled out, which is some combination of what Larry Johnson is already doing and what Jim Knowles does now unlocks the best version of Zach Harrison and a guy that has been dependable and solid and underrated in some ways, but also not delivering in terms of just sack production, pass rush, things like that. Is there some combination of the way that Larry Johnson has sort of mentored him for now going into his fourth year, plus this new Jim Knowles scheme and what he can do with the guys around him? And as we talked about, again, on the All-American one that you'll eventually hear, maybe shifting him around and doing some some new and out-of-the-box things with Zach Harrison. Does some combination of all of that show us something from him that we haven't seen before? And now he becomes the thing that other teams have to worry about. The thing that we're saying now that Ohio State has to be able to block the Aiden Hutchinsons from last year or the Will Anderson's from this year. Does he lift up a level and now other teams start talking about how are we going to handle Zach Harrison? So I
2: will say this is a little bit like the Josh Proctor conversation, B. If you said Josh Proctor's abducted by aliens tomorrow and we can slide Kim Martinez back there when we need to Kai Stokes, all of a sudden takes on a bigger role. You still have court Williams. Could they still win the national title? I would say, yeah, mm-hmm. Zach Harrison, if Zach Harrison gets abducted by aliens, JT plays almost every snap. Jack Sawyer takes a big jump. Javante Jean Baptiste is unlocked a little bit. Could they still be good enough to win a national championship? I would say, yeah, like I, I just don't. Yes, it will help them if guys like that are better, but I don't if Zach Harrison regresses for whatever reason. Right. I don't know if I'd say, well, that's it. There goes the national title hopes. And again, we're in the weeds now. We're at number 10. So we're not saying good Zach Harrison is the number one key to Ohio State's national championship hopes. But, Stephen, did you have a Zach Harrison kind of thing in here or or some other kind of defensive end thing?
0: No, because I applied that logic to Zach Harrison more than I did Josh Proctor just because I'm more comfortable if, like, he got abducted by aliens that JT and Jack would be just fine. And they'd still, they're would still they still going to be what they're going to be this year. While there is, I do think there is a significant drop-off between Josh Proctor and whoever his backup is, just because we haven't seen it. Jack and JT have flashed enough over the past year to show us that they're on the right track. But I I understand where Nathan is coming from. If you want to say here, like if Zach Harrison, if if JT and Jack just develop and Zach Harrison is their third best defensive end, but his being the third best defensive end means he has like a JV, Aiden Hutchinson type year. That's, that's a lot for any team to have to deal with when you've got three guys who are like that.
1: I just, Zach Harrison was significantly a better football player than JT to him And, Jack Sawyer were last year. Correct? No, no,
2: no, I, no. I, yeah. we, we've been having so, the, the underrating Zach Harris. Yeah, well,
0: but yeah. a lot can happen after you've been in the program for a year. Like that jump from year one to year two is always in, something. Like, I mean.
1: and, and Sometimes sort of, it happens and sometimes it doesn't.
2: You sort of mean, Nathan, they just need better pass rush from their edge guys too, right? One way or another. This is a specific way that you drilled down on that.
1: Yes. And in general, they do. And this is, again, I think a guy who you don't have to ask him to make necessarily a huge jump. I just I think that he's the one who's maybe closer in some ways than Tumalo Allen Sawyer from being able to be that kind of game record guy because he's been on the cusp. Um, He's been just like one level below that, as, as we've talked about many times. And also, I think, again, so much of the pass rush. If your run defense is better, your pass rush will be better. All right. 11th pick,
2: Steven, what you got? There's an area that we have not touched on yet that I feel like we need to touch on. So I'll be curious if you do it.
0: Yeah, I think I wanted to have one thing I picked be something that's like completely out of Ohio State's control. And that's there's no, I don't think there is right now as we're sitting, like there's no team who's like the next in line to be the super team, but no random pop up team. Hmm. Who ends up, you know what I mean? Because we saw Georgia coming because we had just saw it with Bama and LSU. And so now we're like, all right, who's the next super team? But LSU was a random pop-up team. Nobody thought they were going to do that. Even with angry Bama, it was a lot angrier than even we tried to talk about. Um, You brought up USC. What if Lincoln Riley gets that thing clicking right away because their schedule is easy and they do have a five-star starting quarterback who started the bulk of last season in the Big 12? Um, what if like Clemson and DJ or, you know, Kay Klubnik if he takes over that job, what if they click, what if they bounce back and now they're right back in the mix because they're undefended in the ACC. It always helps when like, you know, the devil, you know, is always a lot easier to deal with than the devil you don't know. And we all know about Alabama and Bryce Young. We all, we know about Georgia. We know what they are. We don't really know a lot about USC and Clemson and on down the list right now. What if, Brent, what if Brent Venables turns Oklahoma into the best defense in the country in year one? Like, these are all things that are on. What if Tex Quinn Ewers is everything that he's hyped up to be in Texas is right back in the mix? So I think no random pop-up team that, like, we are not talking talk about right now, but come the first week of November, we're like, well, that might be the favorite to win the national champion, championship.
2: Like, oh, we thought the best Quarterback running back receiver combo in the country was CJ Stroud, Trevor yes. Henderson, and Jackson Smith and Jigma, but it's actually Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, and Xavier Worthy. Whoops. Yes. Wow. Ohio State's still really good, but have you seen what Texas is doing? That kind of thing. And I'm not saying it's going to be Texas, but to your point, Stephen, Team X, Nathan, is this, this is, and I like yep. the idea of like, this is not about Ohio State because as we said, Ohio State should have beaten Clemson in the semifinal in 2019. I, It doesn't mean they would have won the national championship because Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and everybody else was still waiting for LSU.
1: Yeah, and it's a good way to articulate it because that's still the best example. Like going into that 2019 season, I think people probably looked on paper and they thought, boy, Alabama might have a kind of a tough game this year with LSU. They got to be a little bit careful about that one on their way to the playoff. And then very quickly, it was like can anybody be LSU? And the answer was no, like nobody beat LSU. And uh, so is there a Phoenix that's going to rise out there that, that changes this? And there are, we're in a period of college football where there is, there are a lot of like dormant killers kind of just waiting out there. I feel like whether it's USC or tech, like you've named a bunch of them and it's going to be somebody like that. It isn't going to be somebody completely off the radar. It's not going to be like, Oh, um you know Michigan state i don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be one of those major national powers that that just we weren't they, they're just the, the timetable gets sped up for them just as it did for Ohio State in 2014 frankly
2: yeah no I, do, I I do think um your team, no matter how good your team is, your team is always only half the equation. Mm -hmm. because there's somebody else on the field and you cannot necessarily control how good they are. I don't, we're just throwing out random teams. What if Braylon Allen turns out to be better than Jonathan Taylor and Graham Mertz actually is the guy we thought Graham Mertz was going to be. And it's like, Oh, look at Wisconsin. They have a receiver running back combo, excuse me, a quarterback running back combo that they've never had before. If you thought Wisconsin was like a good fringe national title contender before this is an unseen wisconsin that is coming to columbus in mm-hmm. september and it's not that ohio state's not good it's that i don't know if anybody can stop this wisconsin offense when they have a quarterback with that run game right so i do think i think it's an important thing to talk about here steven we well uh, podcast to do most likely pop-up teams Right. Who are the most likely pop up teams in the country this year that like that when we all know what it looks like, because LSU, we've seen it, we know what it looks like, but you still don't necessarily know where it's coming. And it absolutely every power, every traditional power, Mm -hmm. which is basically Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State right now has to be on the lookout for that because it might not matter how good you are.
0: And you don't find out about it until like week four when they've actually played somebody. Because before it's like, all right, you look pretty good, but you're not playing. That's what happened with LSU. It was cool. And then they played Texas. And it was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool,
1: cool. Just real quick for any viewer uh, listeners who are yelling at their TV or their radio, their podcast, whatever uh, in 2011. Wisconsin had Russell Wilson and Monty Ball rushing for 1,900 yards. So they have had that combination. Mm. It was just in a year where Ohio State was irrelevant. So now would it be the year that it's a threat to Ohio State? And they might. Ohio State still beat them.
2: And Ohio State still beat them. They would still beat them. that's Russell Wilson and Monty Ball. How about that? Braxton Miller. Wow. Um, Okay. There's three things that I have on my list. Two that are weird that I want to mention that I don't actually think probably will happen, but I wanted to mention them. But I will pick this last thing, and I don't have a great way to articulate this either, but the Ohio State run game and the idea that, like, when you need three yards, you can get three yards. And all the little tiny things with Travion Henderson, who had a great true freshman year, and there was just a moment every now and then, in particular, right, that one play against Michigan where it's like, you need it. Can you Mm. get it when you absolutely need it? The tiny specter of the J.K. Dobbins step back his sophomore year, hanging over him. We know the conditions are different. We don't expect it to happen. But, Steven, they have to be able to run it when they need to run it. As a balance to the pass game, in the red zone, we didn't specifically mention like red zone troubles yet because red zone troubles was a thing from last year, and they still won a lot of games. But I think the run game ties into that a little bit. So I didn't know. I literally just wrote down run game. Which is exactly what I said, Mm -hmm. don't do in this exercise, but I don't. How can we better articulate the specifics of they have to be able to run it when they need to run it?
0: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, Fry trying to touch on a lot of that the first time we got. Well, the only time we got a chance to talk to him, they have to be able to run the ball when everybody in the world knows they're running the ball. Um, and that's on the offensive line to do a better job of getting pushed against better opponents, which we didn't see, especially in that Michigan game. But even in that Penn State game, they struggle with it in the red zone. But also Travion Henderson lost his balance and they got a false start call. That's on Travion Henderson's his physical development. Now that he's not an 18 year old who just got here, who also didn't play football last year. Um so that's it's a, it's on the type of run calls they run. It can't just be inside zone, outside zone. They need to versatile, have a little bit of versatility with how they you know run the ball. Um, even if that means getting some of those jet sweeps to other guys, not named Jackson Smith, the Jigba involved, but just ver- that's on a lot of different moving parts of when you say run game. We can go forty different ways with it. For what's the best way Ohio State can go about getting two yards on third and two to keep a drive alive without always having to rely on an RPO?
2: Yeah. Nathan, that, did you have a, how would you express a run game thing?
1: I, yeah, I was flirting with putting something on there. I feel like I've gone too far on bringing up Trevon Henderson as far as like staying in games and cause he never missed any games last year. And a lot of the ones that he did miss that they did hold him out of were at points where they realized they didn't, they weren't going to push it. There was no reason to risk it in those situations mm-hmm. So that there were times I think he would have gone back. In fact, we saw him actively trying to go back into some games and they wouldn't let him. So, but I I do think he is the national championship winning back on this team. So. I I couldn't figure out exactly how to say it, but I think there's something about, you know, Trevor Henderson still in some ways feels like a guy on his way up. And then this year he has to get there. We can't, Mm. it's not that you don't think he could get even better as a junior, but you know what I'm saying? That like his his ability to like be a um, controlling presence in a game uh, consistently kind of gets there this year. And some of that will be just staying on the field.
2: And like J.K. Dobbins didn't get there as a sophomore. He got there as a junior.
1: Right. He was on his way mm-hmm. up and then he plateaued and then he went up again.
2: But it's all that stuff where J.K. at his best needed a sliver of a hole. It didn't matter if a hole was there or not. He was going to get through it and get the four yards that you needed him to get. And the idea of, again, I do think that's a good way to express it. They have to be able to run the ball when everybody knows they're going to run the ball and get the yards that they need. All right. I had two other weird ones that I just want to mention that I don't think are going to actually happen, but I want to throw out there. One is don't let the emotion of trying to avenge the Michigan loss, like play yes. the wrong way, and get in their heads because we've seen Michigan try too hard. And like Ohio state has not been in this spot. And Ryan day is a guy who has talked about what happens when you lose. And they're going to be thinking about it all year. I don't think it'll happen, but it sure as heck could screw up their season. If it's like clearly Ohio state's the better team, they're a 16 point favorite at home. And then they came out and got in their own heads and did not look anything like themselves and lost to an inferior team in a rivalry game and ruined their season.
0: And that goes, Multiple ways. I think the best thing that came out of that 2020 season where they were like helping on playing Clemson was that one, it was less games to get to Clemson in the first place. Um, so it was less you had to worry about. But I do think you got to get through the season, man. There's 11 other games before you get to Michigan. But then also say you get to Michigan and just like you did with Clemson, you handle them. And it's pretty emphatic. And like Ryan Day's basically in tears about the podium because he got his revenge after the game. Well, you got to go to Indy next week, man. Mm. And then you might have to go to the playoff after that. And you might have to play in the, like you that can't that was like the question in 2020 is like you just like exercise your demon. Um how do you get this team ramped back up because Alabama's actually better than Clemson. Right. There are a lot of teams who are actually better than Michigan. So like don't I understand that your rivalry, so you're going to put something into it, but don't Kill, don't put all your energy into that game. And then you go to India and you get blown off the field because you're emotionally drained, which we've seen from Ohio State teams. Like they beat Penn State in 2017, and it was emotional. And then Iowa came to play.
2: And it is it's like they, it's, it's the buildup to the Michigan game, it's the mm-hmm. way they handle that Saturday. And then it's the fallout from the Michigan game. But it all centers around the fact that they're entering the Michigan game having lost to Michigan, which is new territory. Go ahead, Nathan. Yes. Do you think the
1: turnover on the coaching staff? helps in this regard because only one of these guys of the four Mm -hmm. new ones that came in has an Ohio state connection in his past really. And it's guys that aren't coming in with that baggage of that game and the baggage in their own emotional baggage tied to that game. So I think they can come in, they can embrace the importance of that game, but when you're not as connected to it, I think you can use it as a tool without getting consumed by it yourself. And then you can be the one that keeps course correcting. Be like, you want them showing up that motivated to work every day, but you're not distracted by it. You can quickly refocus them in the way that is the most productive. Complete speculation on my part, but I wonder if that. Uh,
0: I think it helps because the side of the ball that was the biggest problem in that game is the side who has the most turnover. So it's not like Al Washington, Matt Barnes, and Kerry Combs are back. Like, oh, we got to be better. It's like the offense had a bad day because it was snowing. Like.
2: Yeah. listen if they if they hide if they had 10 assistants none of whom were from ohio or whoever had heard of michigan before we'd say they don't have enough connection to the rivalry yeah. they have too many outsiders what are they doing so then it's like you spin it's like oh it's good they have these outsiders but i understand what you're saying Nathan, because it's like if, say they'd hired bo pelini as the new defensive coordinator and bo pelini said the greatest challenge of my life will be to get this defense ready to avenge the Michigan loss. I played here. I bleed scarlet and gray. It will be my mission in life to make sure that doesn't happen again. And then it'd be like, oh, my God, thanks for placing a ton of brick. Jim Knowles is like, I don't know, man. Like Jim Knowles says, give me a cigar and Mm -hmm. a good piece of sushi, and I'll just go play anybody. So we have to be careful because you can spin both sides of it. But I know what you're saying, Nathan.
1: Yeah, and again, it, the Michigan loss because of the way the season played out kept them out of the playoff, but the Oregon loss was just as responsible for keeping them out of the playoff. Jim Knowles has to come in and fix the defense for all 12 weeks, not just the Michigan game.
2: And then the other weird thing I have is directly related to the kind of thing that we have spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about, which is that random Big Ten road loss that you don't see coming. And my specific thing is make sure that a Big Ten quarterback at home against Ohio State. Doesn't just go off. So the four Big Ten road games for Ohio State this year are Michigan State, Penn State, Northwestern, and Maryland. I do think there are three candidates in there for that. Peyton Thorne has improved. I think he had a good spring. People thought Peyton Thorne was pretty good last year. He might be, no offense to Aiden O'Connell. He might be the second best quarterback in the Big Ten. Sean Clifford or Drew Aller, whoever it is, by the time you get to Penn State, who knows? And then Talia Tonga Iowa right? He did it early last year. And then when it was time to go, it's kind of didn't show up as much, but the guy's got some talent. So do I think that's going to happen? No. Did I think Nate Stanley and David Blau were going to do it in 2018 and 2017? No. So I wanted to express that. It's more Nathan, almost like kind of a, the curse of the random quarterback kind of thing than an actual thing. But if you let down, if your defense isn't on point, there are at least a couple quarterbacks who have enough
1: talent. I think if they have their best game, that could be a problem. I hear what you're saying. I think you can look at both of those games though. I mean, did yes. Nate Stanley won that game, but he also was dealing with some NFL tight ends on his side and some guys who created some matchup problems. David Blau won that game, but Rondell Moore won that game. Like, right. (laughs) Like he was the, he was the talent that beat Ohio state that day. So Yes, I think the quarterback has to come in and not be the reason those teams lose, but you also have to be taking advantage of NFL talent somewhere else on the field. So you could almost say, is is Rakeem Jarrett beat Ohio State when it's yeah. Maryland? Does Michigan State have somebody else now to replace Kenneth Walker that can beat Ohio State? Like Those are the guys I'm almost more worried about in those situations. But I think the, in so many cases, there have been guys, teams have had great players like that and not been able to beat Ohio State because they have a noodle arm that loses the game or just just can't keep up, can't play at that level. So if you can just come in and give your team a good baseline to where those guys can go out and make the plays that win a game, that's when they're dangerous.
0: Maybe a better way to put it is like those teams, whatever Ohio State's like an inherent flaw is one don't have an inherent flaw because you're not going to win that championship. Like that's just put it that way. You have an inherent flaw, you're not winning that championship. But if you do, let's hope none of the teams on its regular season schedule just so happened to specialize in attacking that in there because that's what iowa was even with rondell moore it's like they don't have any guy body who could cover the little slot guy because they i mean kj hamler ate ohio state up too it's not like yep. rondell moore was the first person to do it so whether it's the linebacker play or whether these corners like they're just not what we thought they were going to be or the state or tanner mcallister and cameron martinez aren't that good Nobody on this 12-game schedule can do a thing. It's, it's what they specialize in is a thing that Ohio State also just so happens to really suck at this year.
2: Yeah. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to throw out there that didn't officially get drafted?
1: We covered all of mine. Um, uh, the only one that I had tried to come up with something very specific for, and again, Steven covered it with the Super Soft thing, but just the JT out jack Sawyer mm. arrival if they if they come out and look like um, the if they really take that step into the Ohio State defensive end lineage and maybe even surpassing Zach Harrison, just being like, no, this is our job now, and they're the frontline guys, the bookends of that line, and go mm-hmm. out and like bring a real intimidation back to this pass rush. This has not been an intimidating pass rush since 2019. That's um, only a two year gap, but if. <laughs> There's sure. fireworks going off in Stevens. House. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, only two seasons, though. We're into the third yeah. year. So yeah. um, if if they can, I think there needs to be that intimidation from the pass rush again. And those guys arriving even and even really even if they're not the frontline guys. But if you're now going three, four guys deep with guys who can really get after and get to a quarterback, that's something Ohio State's been missing.
0: Yeah, we kind of touched on it with the linebackers, but I want to like make it a whole defensive thing. Don't overthink this. If the younger guys better play them. Mm. And that's if, if Jordan Hancock is better than Cameron Brown, play Jordan Hancock. And the same with Jacqueline Johnson. It's the same with JT and Jack when it comes to Zach and JJB and Tyler Friday, Talik Williams on the, in my call on the interior and Ty Hamilton. Um, I don't think it's going to, like, you guys are not. Uh, you guys are not sold on Tanner McAllister. I'm a little bit more sold, but fine. If Cameron Martinez is better than him, play him. I don't care that he's been in Jim Knowles' system. I think that's where we're at now. Like you've had all of these guys have experience for the most part. So if the young guys play better, play them.
1: I mean, I think that it ties into the thing you said first, and I think it it emphasizes that, like, how state. Like Jordan Hancock has to be good. Like I don't think State, yeah. I don't know if Ohio State can win a national championship if Jordan Hancock's not pretty good this year. I think Ohio State really needs JT Tumaloau and Jack Sawyer to be not just solid true freshmen. They need to be something this year. Like it's not just that that it would be nice if these super softs step up these this sophomore class. Like I think it's just they've got to step up and be a nucleus for this team.
2: All right, twelve picks plus a couple uh priority free agents there at the end in our draft of 12 intangible things that ohio state needs to do to win the national title in 2022 you guys can read us at cleveland.com osu try the text at 614-350-3315 and we will always take your apple podcast reviews for nathan baird and stephen means i'm doug Maurice, and that was buckeye talk